want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who the next two weeks will try not to cringe every time they say who day instead of who dat. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times-Picayune, the advocate and bet.nola.com, and this is Datitude, episode number 52 for February the 1st, 2022. Let's get it out of the way real quick. Uh, that doesn't sound right. But what I'm about to say, let's get it out of the way. That's not, that's not what I meant to say. I am giving a shout-out to start off this show because my lovely bride of 14 years, we're celebrating our anniversary today, and how the hell someone has put up with me for that long boggles the mind. I mean, you could just hear through 52 episodes, right? How many of you have listened to all 51 previous episodes, or at least parts of it? No one's listened to all 51. You're a sicko if you've listened to every minute of all 51 episodes. But bravo to you. But through those episodes, if you know me or don't know me, the fact that someone's put up with me for 14 years is, um, I just got to give a little golf clap to that. And say hello to my wife, Drea. And thank you for, in all seriousness, um, thank you for 14 years and two beautiful children we have together and my stepson who is now 23 and um, has become a man of his own. I have watched him grow up from boy to a man and we got together when he was seven. He's now 23 and uh, I'm so proud of all my children and... Um, that is my personal note and shout-out of the day. So, uh, February 1st, we got married on a Mardi Gras float in the crew of Morpheus back in 2008. That seems like a long time ago. But yet it seems like yesterday. I know, I know people say that, but it really does. Yesterday and forever, all at the same time. So many things have happened over the last 14 years. Uh, but that's about all you people want to hear about my personal life. And you know what? I'm going to throw something in about else about my personal life. February 4th, which is Friday, and it also is the next data, time Datitude will come out, um, marks a year since I, was, since I positively tested for COVID. And I bring that up because uh, – I have mentioned it here and there across the way in some of these episodes a couple times, not a lot, but the fact that I lost my smell and taste a year ago and um, about nine months ago, it developed into what's called parosmia and a lot of people, if you've never had to deal with it, you don't know what it is. Um, I never knew what it was before it happened to me, um, but you develop into an altered smell and taste so you go from first three months i basically had no smell or taste little fleeting moments here and there and the last nine months until about a week and a half two weeks ago have been worse than no smell or taste everything smells the same and it's bad every 
most things taste the same and they're bad. So you're happy when some things don't smell like, a lot of things don't smell like anything. Um, a lot of things don't taste like anything. And you're almost happy when you have parosmia that it doesn't smell or taste like anything. Um, and you have your ups and downs. But the last, I guess, two weeks, really, um, I've seen quite a bit of improvement, knock on wood. You heard that. Um, that it's starting to see some improvement. So maybe we're turning the corner. But a year into this thing, man, it's been brutal. Um, my wife had the had the same kind of thing. Hers wasn't probably quite as bad, and she's got most of her taste back now. Uh, she still doesn't smell a lot. I mean, we've had two instances in the past year, which is this is the scary part of it, uh, where we've accidentally turned the stove on twice. Uh, it just long story, but one time there was there were shopping bags, uh, plastic shopping bags on the stove. They were burning, and neither one of us smelled it. And our ten-year-old daughter came out and, "Daddy, I think something's burning." And you go look, and a plastic bag's on fire. That's how scary this is. When you lose your sense of smell, you don't realize how many things. People say, oh, that's awful. I can't imagine not being able to smell the taste. Well, imagine if there was a fire brewing in your house and you couldn't smell it. Like burning plastic, okay? We had, it happened again about a month ago, and we happened to notice it before it got too, too bad. Uh, we had left a, uh, we were picking up dinner, I think, and putting dinner into Tupperware. And... I had just come home from doing play-by-play for a game and <clears throat> turned our back, turned around, and noticed that it was melting, but didn't smell it. It's a scary thing, man, and I'm just, uh, anyone that's in this boat, and I know there are a lot of people out there like me um, and people that have gone longer than a year. I mean, this forum that I'm on, there are people that have gone, they're inching on two years now with no smell or taste, some with none at all. Some don't develop into the prosmy. Some people just go into it. It's scary, man. So uh, my two personal notes today. I, I think I'm turning the corner. I'm trying not to get too hopeful because there have been times when I've improved and then it goes back to being worse than it was before. But this time, this is the longest I've ever been in an improvement period. Usually the improvement period only lasts for 7 to 10 days and then it gets worse. And so <clears throat> I went through probably a week or so. Christmas and New Year's, it was probably the worst it ever was. And then it got a little bit better, and then now the last two weeks I've seen real improvement. So, fingers crossed, boys and girls. But <clears throat> just remember that there are more things going on with COVID, and, and this is no political statement whatsoever. I'm not telling you to go get a vaccine or wear a mask. That's on you. Um, I'm just telling you that there are lots of other things involved with COVID that I don't think any of us frankly knew before they got into it and got it and. I mean, to be honest, I think I would be willing to bet that the majority of people listening to this show have gotten COVID themselves and have had to deal with their own issues. So some of you twice. Uh, I know plenty of people have gotten it twice. Plenty of people who've gotten the vaccine and the booster and had COVID and got it again. So take that for what you will. All right, enough personal talk. Let's uh, move on to what our show is going to be about today. And um, I'm not going to spend too much time. I know I like to say that a lot, but I'm really not because we're going to have on WWL sports director, WWL TV sports director, Doug Mouton is coming on. I always enjoy talking with Doug because it's just fun. 
I mean, we try to have fun with it, and, and we do, it's just completely conversational, which is what this show is supposed to be. Um, you know, I almost wish I had a sidekick. And I'm not talking about my, my, my dumb sidekicks on Friday that come on and give their picks and we, we chat and whatever. I mean, I think Uncle Big Nick's becoming a little bit of a celebrity now. He was on our show yesterday, uh, Bayou Bets. Um, and now he's like, I think his head's ballooning a little bit. Uncle Big Nick is, uh, yeah, he's enjoying the limelight a little bit. But uh, sometimes I do wish I had a sidekick because I, I sit here and chat and realize that I run on about things and wonder how many people actually hit that 30-second button, you know, where they move on. Like, let's see if he's still talking about that crap. Oh, yep, still talking about it. Got to press it again. But that's who I am. But Doug's fun. Uh, he's coming on. We're going to talk about uh, the Saints coaching search, uh, the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow. W- what an amazing second. I mean, you, you just had – I did. <clears throat> I went into this weekend thinking, all right, this weekend's – there's no way these games going to be good, Right. You just had a weekend, the most amazing weekend of play of football in history in the divisional round. There's no way the championship round is going to be as, as good. And it wasn't as good, but it was still pretty damn good. I mean, both games coming down to the wire, um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And it was especially fun. Yeah, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. It was especially fun when you go back and you have – these future tickets, how much uh, you guys? Are you guys using the Caesars app, BetMGM app, DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever? Um, having a little fun with it. Maybe you got your deposit match. Maybe you got your bonus. You're out there betting things you wouldn't normally bet. Remember to bet responsibly. Have fun with it. But before we even got the apps, way back when in July, I was lucky enough to. I, I always pick one or two teams to bet on to win the Super Bowl. Going into the year, I thought it was going to be Rams and Titans. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to – because you, you got to bet like 100 bucks to win anything if you're going to bet a future on a team unless they're like more than 30 or 40 to 1. So what I do is I'll pick one or two teams in July or August, and I'll put 100 bucks on them. And I did that this year, and my team was the Rams. So I have 100 bucks on the Rams at 13 to 1. Then what I like to do is when we get to October-ish, um, I like to pick a long shot and maybe two other teams that I think have realistic chance to, to win the Super Bowl. And so I put, um, I put a little bit on Buffalo, enough to just, you know, make me happy. We can go to dinner and have a really nice dinner if they win and cover the $100 that I'd lose on the Rams if they win the Super Bowl. And then I picked my long shot was the Cincinnati Bengals. Ten bucks, and I wish I would have done a little bit more now, but you can always say that, right? Ten bucks at 150 to 1. So a ten-buck bet, if Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl, 1,500 bucks. I am stoked. So either way, I'm covered. And I said before the playoff started, a friend of mine at poker said, you know, who do you think is going to make the Super Bowl? And I said, I'm not 100% sure, but if the Rams and Bengals are in the Super Bowl, I'm going to go do cartwheels in the front lawn. Well, that got nixed by my wife. She said, I'll go video it if you want, but please give me a heads up because I'm going to call 911 
before you go do this so they can be ready when you break your neck. So I'm like, eh, I'll just do my money dance. I did the money dance. It's a good thing this is audio only because I do the money dance for you right now. That's how thrilled I am. Bengals and Rams. And a lot of you Saints fans are anybody but the Rams. It's not the Rams' fault the no call happened. It's the refs' fault. The Rams, I heard someone last night tell me, ah, the Rams cheated their way in the Super Bowl. When they played the Patriots, they cheated their way in the Super Bowl. They didn't cheat. Hey, if, if, if the call were reversed, would you think the Saints cheated? No, it might not have been fair. And the refs might have cheated. Or maybe they're just that. I digress, but were the, Ram, were the refs in that Rams game, were they that bad or did they cheat? Because there's only two options. They were either that bad or they didn't throw it on purpose. Three years ago, I'm still pissed. Still pissed. Yep. Oh. Anyway, so what do we think about this Super Bowl? Bengals. Rams. <clears throat> I'm going to have to do some handicapping. I'm not 100% sure what I'm picking yet. That's more for next week. But we do talk about it a little bit. Saints coach and search announced this morning that the Saints are going to interview Brian Flores this week. Um, I love Brian Flores. Dumbest firing, at least in the last decade in the NFL. Why would anybody fire that guy? I mean, all he did was take a, all he did was go in a seven game. And I, granted, he lost seven in a row and put his team, they put themselves in a bad position. But to come back like he came back and do something that no other coach has ever done and to keep that team together, after a pretty decent season last year, I love Brian Flores. And I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be New Orleans. I think that they'd probably go with Dennis Allen before they'd go with a Brian Flores. I think if it's going to be someone from the outside, it's probably, probably going to be more of a Eric Bieniemy, who's kind of an offensive-minded coach. But I don't know. I mean, we're gonna again. We'll talk to Doug in a, a minute. He's pretty sure that it's going to be Dennis Allen. I think most Saints fans think it's going to be Dennis Allen. I just got this weird feeling that it's not. And I can come on here next week if that's when they announce it, or the week after, or whatever. And you guys can laugh at me and say, "Dara, you were wrong." People love to point out when I'm wrong. They don't point out when I'm right. Every now and then, because I'm pretty good at pointing out when I'm right, so <laughs> they don't have to. But it's just something in my gut. Something weird just feels about this whole thing. I just don't think it's going to be Dennis Allen. I don't know why. And nothing against him. If he gets it, great. I mean, he certainly earned it. Um, but is it going to be him? It's just too obvious, right? It's like anything else in life. Almost. I mean, if something's like super obvious, like the Chiefs going into this weekend, wasn't it super obvious that the Chiefs were going to go to the Super Bowl? Maybe not win the Super Bowl. And yet I picked the Bengals. I don't know how much of my wishing that the Bengals won were part of my pick, but I just didn't like – I thought Joe Burrow would be able to do well against that defensive backfield. And really, that's not just why the Bengals won. The, the Bengals won as much because the Chiefs pulled off some boneheaded decisions. 
one of the biggest boneheaded decisions I've ever seen before the half, Patrick Mahomes throwing out into the flat to Tyreek Hill and Eli Apple putting him on his keister. Changed the whole game. And if you want to hear some interesting back and forth about aggressiveness in football, then go back and watch the odds and ends shows. You can find it on Noah.com's Facebook page. Uh, you can find it all over bet.noah.com, and you can find it on Noah.com's YouTube page. There's a probably a seven-minute diatribe between more between me and Zach Ewing, me spouting off. I'm just not into this hyper-aggressive stuff, that, the way they play football today. It costs teams too many games. It's fun to watch, and if you don't have a rooting interest, then yeah, great, go for it on fourth down. I don't care. Go, go for two when you don't need to go for two. Sure, do it. It's fun. It's dumb, but it's fun. And, I, and I, I'll say it's dumb when it works. Football is changing. And some of it's for the good, some of it's dumb. And there were some dumb calls. The Kansas City Chiefs 100% cost themselves the game. I'm, I'm glad the Bengals won. Um, I'm happy for them. They were not the better team. They were not even close to the better team on Sunday. But in football, unlike I think in baseball in a seven-game series, in a one-game play, I mean, and I, I get that the Bengals beat them in the regular season, but the, the Chiefs have a better coach. They have a better offense. And their defense isn't that much worse than Cincinnati. And overall, the Chiefs are a much better football team than any of the other three teams that were playing this weekend. Sorry. But they didn't win. And a lot of us are happy about it. So lots of things to talk about it. Let's get into it. Doug Mouton of WWL. Let's see what he thinks. Welcoming in WWL Sports Director Doug Mouton into the Datitude Podcast on a Tuesday morning, almost afternoon now. Well, we got things going on. It is what it is. I mean, we're, we're busy creatures. Doug, how's it going, my friend? Uh, it is good. The most, the busiest thing right now is like figuring out what parade you're going to and what night you're exactly. Do That's this. important. It's and it's and it's so much fun to do this after the last two years. Yeah, you know, I'm. Um, I got. I became the. Uh, the play-by-play voice of the St. Paul's basketball Wolves this year. So doing it for Varsity Sports now. And I'm all excited. I get the schedule. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. The last game is the – and the la- it's the last regular season game. I'm sure we'll do a playoff game too. But the last regular season game is the night of Eve, which I love. The crew of Eve up here in Mandeville, for those who don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <clears throat> and I, we love as a family going to that parade. So now I'm out – we go a whole year without parades, and now I'm going to miss Eve on the first Friday of Mardi Gras, but it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, my wife rides in Eve, has for a while. It's, and, they, and we do the same thing. Look, I would not say it's big enough to cross the bridge and come see it, but for the people on it this side of the bridge, is. it's fun. It almost is. It's a pretty cool parade. Almost. Almost. I, almost. No, but, offense, no offense to Metairie, but it's better than about 85% of the Metairie parades. What the Metairie parades are now, yes. Yeah, right. I have memories of growing up with the Metairie parades where they were awesome, and and Caesar on Saturday night was was great. Exactly, um, which doesn't exist. But anymore. you're right. You're right. Metairie parades. I've been to a few in the last few years, and it's not quite the same. Well, one of these years, I'll get you. You can ride with me in an Endymion, and we'll. we'll uh... Oh, 
is I've never ridden an Endymion. Actually, the, the one that I've never ridden in that I would like to ride in is Toth. Um, oh, Toth, well, that's easy to get you in. That, I did, that I did has, it for 15 years. That's been my favorite parade, the, the Mouton family, to go to. I would say over the last decade, that sort of became my favorite for all the reasons. We go on Magazine Street, which is just an incredible place to see a parade. And it's about 800 floats long. And, yeah. and for some reason, it's always a beautiful day. I mean, it's it's all those things. Well, I can get you in touch, but the only thing is you'd probably have to ride next to Mike Prange. And uh, I don't know what kind of experience that would be. So I'm sure he's listening. So that, 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 I, don't, I don't know how that would roll. So anyway. All right. Enough about Mardi Gras. Let's talk about the Let's let's jump into the New Orleans Saints, and um, you know, a week has passed um, since Sean Payton announced that uh, he was—I don't want to say retiring; it's not the right word. I mean, sure, in the literal sense, he did retire, but we all know he's going to work again. So let's say resign. Um, it, it, it's before we get to the coach and search part of it. You know, we were talking off the air. There's just certain things you get used to when you cover a team, and you think about how long he was here and how much of our careers. I mean, I've been in this business for 32 years. I haven't, obviously, I've only covered the Saints here and there for probably maybe six of them, uh, seven of them maybe. But still, you think about how much of your career, that's half of my career and half of your career pretty much that he was coach of the Saints. It's, it's hard to fathom that he won't be manning the sidelines next year. Yeah, I am a little melancholy about it. And look, Sean Payton would often be grumpy and hard to deal with. And sometimes you weren't getting anything out of him. But, you know, it's one of those things that was like a comfort level, too. First of all, I think he's a great He's your grumpy, though. He's your grumpy. He's a great offensive coach. And and the stuff he designed, no, literally, now, granted, other markets – have experienced great players and and other great coaches, but nobody's had a better offensive run, right. of innovative, fun football than we have. And I'm a little melancholy that it's going to end. Um, look, everything changes. It is what it is. I get that. But yeah, I'm a little sad. I mean, I'm a lot sad that it that that era is over. But I'm also excited about the next era. I mean, let, let's see what's out there. Let's see what can happen. Um, I, I mean, it's, the, this team is a solid team right now. They are and. I'm, I'm looking forward to next year and, and how things are going to be different. Because Sean Payton also, from, from our side of it, had a lot of rules. Like, we couldn't shoot this, and we couldn't ask this person that. We couldn't do this. I'm wondering if any of those rules get relaxed a little bit, like they are in many, many, many other places. And, and we're able to have a little more access than we've had for the last 16 years. Now, I did have the one, I, I actually, uh, I, I worked at WGNO in the 90s, and we did a Saint show. It's called Saint Sideline. If everybody remembers that show from the 90s, that was my show. I produced that show. And so we, we dealt with Jim Mora at his teams. Right. That was five years where we were, you know, we were everywhere with it. We flew with the team to every game. You know, we did everything. And access was different then. I mean, you could grab any player walking off the field at any practice. You right. could walk into the locker room after every practice and get whoever. The assistant coaches were available any day. All you had to do was say, you know, Vic Fangio, can we get you for a second? Sure. Like, it was, it was super easy to to do everything now everything and Jim Mora was just as gruff as Sean Payton's which which you wouldn't know behind the scenes that his his rules were so different 
Yeah, Jim Mora was was very. But the thing is, I think Jim Mora gave us such access to everybody else, so he wouldn't have to do. Maybe that's you know it. what I mean. Like every yeah, if we were talking to Dom Capers or Steve Sidwell or John Pease, that was great because that was one less interview he had to do. Right, right. You think you know, but you don't know. <laughs> and you never. Oh, I was know. there for all the famous Mora Swoboda fights. Oh, I was my- out at David Drive watching those in person. Mike like Strom is Mike Strom would, would would prod him with it with his little his oh. pencil. I mean, he would just ask him the questions that he knew he was going to get sure. this guy to respond. Nobody prodded like Ron Swoboda. Ron Swoboda had a way of Ron Swoboda too. Yeah, I of mean, lighting Jim Morris' fuse. And it, look, a lot of those are still on YouTube. You can find them, and they're crazy. It wasn't as easy to light Sean Payton's fuse because you never know. You never knew when his fuse was going to go off. You might have the most just question that you never thought was going to be a big deal kind of turn into something you just never knew but he, yeah and you never knew sometimes he would he would want to talk and yeah exactly and, you know and, and when he did talk and which is why i think he'll be so good at tv when he did talk he he can when he wants to explain football in a way that is so fun to listen yes. to and so interesting um but he and Alvin Kamara can explain football like no two people that I've ever. I always question whether Drew Brees could be great in a booth doing play-by-play. The reason being, Drew always so thought about his answers and so had things prepared that in a snap event like a game, right. he, he wasn't going to have time to think of the right thing he should say. Right. Whereas I think like Camaro, when Camaro retires, he's going to be the greatest color guy because he has instant hilarious, insightful answers. That's my prediction. Alvin Kamara will be the, I don't know if it'll be Tony Romo, but Alvin Kamara will be really good at TV if he wants to when he retires. And obviously on a super small scale, but having done play-by-play and having a bunch of different color analysts sit next to me, they have to have some, they have to have this thing, right? They have to have this more, it's more than just personality. I mean, you have to know more than just you know the X's and O's. You have to have a personality, and you have to be able to combine all of those things together. I mean, it's not it's not an easy gig. <clears throat> and so I think Drew has, has fumbled that a little bit. Maybe he's better off in the studio end of it because I think he does a really good job when he's doing the halftime stuff. No, I I'm do not, too. I don't love his play. His, what, right. No, I agree completely. Like the, like the, the whistle blown in the Cincinnati game, it became famous that Drew didn't say anything, but to me that doesn't surprise me because in his head he's calculating the right thing to say right. and afraid to say something wrong. Whereas when you do the halftime analysis, you've had 10 minutes to gather your thoughts and get things in a line, and he's got he's going to have really good things to say. He's just going to he, – he's not quick on the trigger, right? Um, which which is lends better to studio and analysis. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Peyton is a, is a much different person when it's not uh, when you're not talking about what happened 20 minutes ago. I mean, or an injury. Yeah, right, or or an injury. That's another story. But I, I agree. I think he's going to be great in front of a mic. And I, you know, he's the kind of person that he may never come back to coaching. He may take a gig like he may take he may become like one of Fox's top guys or something like that. And the next thing you know, you know what? I like this, and I only have to do this. I, I agree a times a year. You know, I agree a hundred percent, Jim. Look, John Madden. Everybody thought he was going to get back right. to coaching, and he, and he and probably you know, did when he left. And he probably thought so too. 
I now look, I, I think that's a, a 10, maybe 20% chance, but I do believe that. Peyton loves the audience. You could see it the last couple of years, and he didn't do it this year, which is why one of the one of the heads ups that we should have known something was more up than it was. Immediately after the season ended the last three years, he was on ESPN on the studio, he yeah. was on the NFL network, and he was gregarious and funny. When he turns it on, when he loosens up, he's a different guy. Now we didn't see that guy a lot in 16 years, but we saw glimpses of it. And and when he turns it on, he can he can be really good. And yes, I think he's going to enjoy it more than he realizes he's going to enjoy it. Doug Mouton, WWL TV sports director here on the Datitude Podcast. All right, let's talk about <clears throat> all right potential replacements. Now we've all heard most of the names, and um, I mean there are still a couple of people who are going to interview that haven't been mentioned or. They're yet to be contacted, one of those two. So th- this, is, this is a search that I said initially I thought it would end quickly, but I'm, I've kind of changed my mind on that. I, I, I think as watching the landscape of the NFL coaching changes and, and as many as there are, I thought there would be more names being hired qu- quicker, I guess. And now I'm seeing teams that are doing their due diligence and they're taking their time. I think that because the Saints are the premier destination – and are basically going to get, I think, the person that they really want, whether it's Dennis Allen or whoever, I think that maybe Mickey does take a little bit longer than he might normally would take because he doesn't have to rush because they're going to want to come here. I never expected this to go quick, and the simple reason is because they want to keep this staff together, and the staff is all under contract. The staff can't go anywhere, so right this minute – Um, the staff is all doing, they're all in Mobile, and they're all doing what they would normally be doing if Sean Payton was here. They're all beginning their scouting process. When this is done, the Saints will have lost no time. I mean, look, if if you're the Giants and you're rebooting everything, you want to get a guy in place because you got to start doing your own evaluations with an outside guy who doesn't even know his own players well enough yet to figure out who you want to keep, who you want to go get. And, And that takes a solid month of watching everything and and making plans and having meetings the saints don't need to do any of that well i mean they do need to to make plans but but they don't the the burden of starting from scratch isn't going to happen now look i do think this is going to be dennis allen and i do think i I would still put allen at 90 percent. i love the names they've interviewed i think doug peterson should be an NFL head coach again this cycle. And if he's not, he will be next cycle. Like, I want a Super Bowl. That's, that's all you need to say. And there are very few of those guys out there. I Jackson, love that they gave Darren Rizzi an interview. I yeah. think he's going to What's Jacksonville. That? I think, I think Peterson's going to Jacksonville. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, well, and that would be great. I, I'm a big fan of Doug Peterson. I think he's an excellent coach, and I'm glad they gave him an interview. I, I love the fact that they interviewed Darren Rizzi. Um, I, I think Darren Rizzi is one of the one of the huge stars of the last couple of years for the Saints. I think he's a great special teams coach. I would not hire him over Dennis Allen, but the way to eventually get a head coach, it seems, is you you know you get interviews and it's almost like a ramp up process. And the Saints helping their own guy in that ramp up process is great. Everyone says Aaron Glenn is going to be. Uh, an NFL head coach. One year as a coordinator, he probably needs a little more time. Saints players rave about the guy. I love the, I love all the, the the whole process they've done so far. There's no reason to rush if it's going to be Dennis Allen because Dennis Allen's doing the job he would be doing right now if he was head coach. So 
I do think it's going to be Dennis Allen. I think Dennis Allen's the right call. I think it's the right – look, the one thing that I did, Jim, after the Sean Payton thing was done, right, after that 90-minute press conference, and then, you know, we all went live on TV right after that, then we were live from 5 to 5.30. Then, as we're waiting for the 6 o'clock news, there's like a half hour just dead time for us, right? So we're kind of just walking around that room. And in that press conference, there were probably 60 – well, Aside from coaches and scouts, there was a whole bunch of Saints employees. And it's people I've known for years. And I went around that room, and the one question that I would ask off the record to everybody is, is, would you be okay if it was Dennis Allen? And I'm asking non-football people because I just want to get a gauge of what people in that building think about Dennis Allen. And the responses that I got were overwhelmingly positive to Dennis Allen, the kind of guy who knows everybody's name in the building, the kind of guy and and the things you heard over and over were organized and professional and a a nice guy. And I know that at the bottom tier of Saints employees love the guy, I know the top tier has to love him too. He's organized. He's a pro. He's put the skins on the wall. It keeps everything together. They all talked about culture. They love what they built. And Dennis is the natural progression. Somebody from the outside just isn't. That's just a fact. And Dennis is the natural progression. I think he's earned the shot. Um, and, I, and I, based on all of that, I think it's going to be Dennis Allen. And I, I think it's – I'd be shocked if it wasn't Dennis Allen. But if it's going to be Dennis Allen, there's also no reason to rush it and get it done this week. You might as well do all your due diligence, interview everybody. Look, and if Dennis doesn't work out, you're one step ahead the next time you have to do this. Um, and you're one step ahead just on the whole process. But, but I do think it's Dennis, and I do think – that announcement will come next week, not even this week, that they're going to wait another week. And you see some teams have brought in their coaches, so it's almost like if you wanted to do it now, you could, but there's no reason to pull the trigger yet. I'm going to preface this with you unquestionably know more about this than I do. So uh, let's make that clear to to whoever's listening to this podcast, in my opinion, that it's about to come forward out of my mouth. It just seems too easy to be Dennis Allen. Nothing is easy. It just, it's way too easy. And I get that you would have to, <clears throat> to get someone from the outside, you'd have to make changes. This person would have the liberty to bring in whomever they choose. Um, and it would, a lot of people would probably choose not to stay if they brought someone from the outside. Dennis Allen would almost certainly choose to leave if they bring in someone from the outside. So that being said, I know how hard that would be. And the Saints um, are one of the most loyal organizations in the National Football League. Ownership, uh, top administration, they are loyal people. Um, We saw it with Jim Hazlitt. I mean, back when Jim Hazlitt, most teams would have fired Jim Hazlitt long before he, he finally was let go. That being said, I have this strange feeling it's going to be um, – if you're Mickey Loomis, you're thinking about how were you successful when it came to bringing in Sean Payton, right? And you were successful kind of going out on a limb and getting a young coach that might not have paid his dues yet and maybe wasn't quite ready to take the step that Sean Payton took, but it certainly turned out to, to be the right answer. And if you're doing that, to me, the two names that come to my mind, if you're going to follow that same path, or Brian Flores, who comes right off the Bill Belichick tree. And to me, that was the dumbest firing maybe in the history of the NFL. There have been a few, and so to say ever is too much is a lot. 
But that I don't get that firing at all. And then second to me is the guy that comes off the Andy Reid tree, and his name hasn't even been mentioned yet, is Eric Bieniemy. So, and he's from New Orleans. So to me, if I'm Mickey Loomis, you got to give strong consideration to those two guys as much as Dennis Allen has probably earned the right to be the head coach. So to me, it's, it's just a strange situation. No, I, I agree with you. And look, I love Brian Flores and I love Eric Bieniemy. The, the reason Eric Bieniemy hasn't come up is because you can't interview him for another two weeks, and teams are anxious because well, of you all can't the now. He's before. done. So, oh yeah, right, right, for sure. Yeah, I mean, no, we just didn't right. expect him to be done. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Well, that, that is surprising then that his name hasn't come up because Eric Bieniemy is a guy that. <laughs> funny god um look here's the difference though jim in 2000 in 2006 first of all mickey talked about not people not busting his door down in 2006 right. and now the, the level of people busting his door down i mean look, if you can even remember those games in 2005 this organization i can <laughs> Yeah, it needed a reboot like no organization has ever needed a reboot. It needed to start over. It needed young because of everything going on in the city. You weren't going to hire a 60-year-old guy to reboot this thing. That's right. Because this thing was going to be, you got to start with the shovel on this thing. Like you, you right. can't even start with the concrete foundation. You got to go underground first to get this thing right. And this organization now is not like this. And if I'm Mickey Loomis, and the one thing I know about and this is Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland and the whole thing. They are proud of what they built. They, Mickey Loomis, if you, <laughs> Mickey Loomis wouldn't say this is what Sean Payton built. This is what we built. Mickey Loomis feels an ownership with what is built here to keep an ownership of his own creation. He's obviously staying in-house is the way you do that more than letting Brian Flores come in and bring in all of his own coaches. Um, Mickey and everyone in that building feels an ownership of of what is there. It's not, it, it's in no way resembles what we had in 2006. And I do think Mickey believes in what they've built and believes that it can be successful right now. Right. And the best chance to do that is with the guy in the building that everyone respects, that's put the skins on the wall, that in his one audition as the head coach with Pete Carmichael calling plays, uh, they beat the hell out of Tampa in Tampa. Yeah. Um, I, I, Dennis just checks every box. And, and again, I do think who Dennis Allen is personally and how they feel about him as a person does play a significant role. And I, I think it's going to be Dennis. Look, I, I say 90% because that still leaves a 10% door to be stunned, but I would be stunned if it's not, if it's not them. If it is Dennis Allen, I would, there's, there's one move I would really like them to make. And I know it'd be sort of a lateral move, but I would love to see them bring in Aaron Glenn as the DC. And I know he's already a DC, albeit for the Lions. But man, wouldn't you love to get Aaron Glenn back in this building and have this? He's going to be a head coach someday. There's no question about Aaron Glenn being a head coach someday. And you talk about the players' respect and really. And like Aaron Glenn, I mean, just to get him in the building, do you think that would be a possibility? Yeah, I, I would doubt it. I, I mean, I, I agree with your sentiment, but I, I would doubt it. Um, 
I mean, I, I, he's under contract in Detroit to take a lateral move. I, yeah. I guess you would have to give some kind of compensation. I don't look. I know they they love Chris Richard. You got Ryan Nielsen, who I think is going to be a star yeah, for sure coaching. Um, and and I, I'm not even sure if that's a demotion to go from assistant head coach to defensive coordinator. Obviously, coordinator jobs are much more high profile, so maybe he he would want to be the coordinator. And and I, Dennis Allen may have somebody from the outside he wants to bring in. I mean, honestly. To me, the most important guy on staff, if if Dennis Allen stays, is Darren Rizzi because Rizzi has done a spectacular job with special teams, um, and he's under contract. He can't. I, you you do have him in the building, but you keep him. Dennis Allen's going to run the defense as the yeah. head coach, to be Sean Payton, and the offense as the head coach. And 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 Pete Carmichael has certainly earned the right to solo the offense at this point. And I and I think you're ready to roll. I mean, obviously, you need some help. I mean, from a personnel standpoint. But, man, there's a lot of good pieces in place right now for this team to make a run. Well, I will say, if you, if you look, it's, I, don't, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but it's definitely the easiest thing to do to hire no Dennis question. Allen. I mean, and you go status quo. And, why, you know, how can you go wrong with status quo with the fact that you go 16 years and you, your worst season in 16 years is 7-9? and It happened multiple yeah, or times. Or the last five years. The last five years, the second-best record in the NFL. I know 9-8 and eight is not what anybody wanted this year, but right. given everything, the last five years from 17-22, to 22, only Kansas City has more wins. The yeah, Saints I are second in the NFL. That's not I, bad. I don't want it to sound like I have anything against Dennis Allen because I can tell you this. He helped change. This franchise was kind of – I don't want to say franchise because that's the wrong one. This team was – was in a bit of a nosedive defensively and yeah. going through Rob Ryan and everything. I mean, the Saints had historically bad. Steve Spagnola. Yeah. I'm a right. Steve Spag. I mean, we're not just talking about bad defenses. We're talking about like some of the worst defenses in the history of the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, to, to change that culture and to change the, the momentum of where this defense from then to now, and to think that this is really, it's almost a defensive first team, which is scary yeah. in itself. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong hiring Dennis Allen. I just, I hope that they, I guess I hope they do their due diligence and make sure that this is the right move, whether it's, whether it's easy or hard, almost like getting a divorce. You don't want to get a divorce. It's, you don't want to move out of your house. You don't want to pack up everything and start all over. But you know what? Sometimes packing up and moving out is the best thing for you. Yeah, I get it. You know, so let's look, just look, Dennis Allen's right not thing. look, he's he, he's not the innovative offensive coach that Sean Payton was. It's not the sexiest hire the yeah. Saints will ever make. But yeah, you're right. That's the other point I didn't even bring up before. How, how he rebuilt the Saints defense is crazy. It is. And it says a lot about him. And obviously he's learned a lot since he was coaching the Raiders. And so he's he's an older guy now. He was one of the young, you know, the young bucks back when he got the Raiders job. And now he's, you know, he's more like one of us. <laughs> yeah, he's still. I think he's still like nine years younger than Sean Payton, so okay. you are getting a little young. All right, so he's younger than us too. All right then. Uh, <laughs> I think it's only forty nine. Yeah, man, it's sad. You know, we're becoming like it's. It's like we're the old guard now. I well, mean, Sean Payton is my age, so that's why. Like, Sean how did Payton this happen? Hiring. What's that? How did this happen? When did we become I, the old guys? Oh, it's 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 taken a little while, but I I think I feel every. Every uh, every year, I feel every skin on the wall. I don't know, man. I still like to, you know, I, I will say this. When I wake up in the morning, it's definitely harder to get out of bed. 
it, it, it's it, it's harder to. How did this conversation go here? I have no idea because we can talk about it whatever the hell we want, Doug. I mean, yeah, it, no, it, yeah. You know, it's not. This isn't. This isn't the six o'clock news. We can say whatever the hell we want. That's true. I don't have two minutes and thirty seconds. Hurry up, yeah. be quiet. I mean, don't make me edit out bad words, but you don't really right. say a lot of them. I do. I mean, I have to worry about more about that about myself. But anyway, so I mean, look, the same. I do. I will say this. All in all, everything we've talked about, I feel confident that this group is going to make the right decision. So, I don't know if I would have said 16 years ago. Now, look, I like the Sean Payton hire. I mean, I don't think any any of us knew it was going to be as good as it turned out, but. I'm not saying they held on to Jim Haslett so long. I wasn't sure that I had a ton of confidence and that they were going to make the right decision. But I do now. I feel like Mickey and, and Mrs. Benson and Dennis Lausha and, and just they really know what they're doing. And so it's kind of like you got to trust them. Just like when Sean Payton did different, different things, you're like, I don't know if this is going to work, but you got to trust them. I think that's where we are now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I do think it's going to be Dennis Allen. I think it's going to come. Okay. Well, 90% boys and girls. So I'm taking the field at nine to one. I'm just saying right now, if, well, you got to put some juice in there. Um, so I guess I'm only getting You've seven. You've been doing the betting stuff. I can tell. You immediately, I mean, everything is, is the field odds. at nine to one. All right. I mean, uh, you know, I'm taking the field. I mean, if you're saying it's 90%, that means I'm getting at least six or seven to one on the field. So I'm, I'm going to take the field. Um, right. I just, yeah, you're right. You wouldn't get 90, you wouldn't get nine to one. You'd no, you can't. Cause they got to make something out of it. They got to you know? make some money. Right there. Yeah. So, um, and actually 90% would probably more, um, now that I think about it, it's probably going to line with five to one. So, but an, yeah. anyway, um, I, I just, it's call it gut feeling and you know, you can text me and tell me I'm wrong when, when they hire Dennis Allen next week, it's okay. I've been wrong before. Um, I wasn't wrong about the Bengals and, and Rams, but that's a whole nother story. We're going to get into oh, that wow. next. So it's a perfect segue. Wow. Um, I don't think I told you about my, my tickets that I've broadly boasted about this morning on Datitude that, uh, you know, my futures tickets, I had, I had four futures tickets about one before the season started, which was, I bet on the Rams at 13 to one before the season started. They were my Super Bowl pick from, to from day one. The Super Bowl? To win the Super Bowl. Oh, so wow. that was, that was my only preseason futures pick. Then in October, I bought I bought three more. I bought the Buffalo Bills and I bought the Tennessee Titans and and then I bought the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Ten dollar ticket at one hundred and fifty to one to win the Super oh, Bowl. Oh no way! To yeah, win the Super Bowl. To win the Super Bowl. So either way, I'm covered this weekend. Uh, next weekend. So yeah. So uh, you know, every now and then, about once every ten years, you hit a gold mine in the world yeah. of sports betting and. I just yeah, got you got to figure out a way for both of them to win. Yeah, well, if I could do that, I'd be a really rich man. That's that would be great. Well, you know, I told my wife we're going wherever you want to go this weekend. It's it's on uh, it's on our friends at Caesar's Sportsbook or BetMGM or where the hell I get the ticket. I don't know. Anyway, um, what do you what did you think? Uh, this is a dumb question because I know the answer, but the past two weekends of playoff football, have you? seen two better weekends of football in your life yeah i don't think i have ever enjoyed watching football like the last two weekends it's been unbelievable and and look i i know you kind of wanted to go there so i'm just going to go there now um with this Bengals team here's the thing that strikes me about joe burrow and and where he well first of all you can see the difference in what 
a star quarterback makes in a team in 100%. modern NFL. 100%. Yeah, look, this is not football is different than it was 20 years ago. The rules have changed. The the way you can touch receivers and running backs, it, it all, every rule change in the NFL in the last 20 years has made the quarterback position more important. Every rule change is geared towards a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or like Josh Allen or like Matthew Stafford can do ridiculous things with these rules in a passing game. And what strikes me the most about Joe Burrow is that Joe Burrow is not anywhere near his personal ceiling. Joe Burrow, in in the development of Joe Burrow, and by college quarterback standards, he was obviously 100. Right now, by NFL standards, he's at about his own 70, maybe. Maybe 65. You know what I mean? Like, he is still a work in progress by his own standards. And... He's Super Bowl good now. And my point is, he is going to get significantly better than he is now over the next two or three years. Um, And he's Super Bowl good now. That's That's what strikes me. That's the difference between him and Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to get any. I mean, don't get me wrong. No, I think this is Patrick Mahomes. Where he is is a a level that that 99.5% of quarterbacks never get. Correct. Patrick Mahomes isn't getting many better than he is now. Patrick Mahomes is at his personal ceiling. I'm not sure Josh Allen is. Josh Allen is getting close to his own ceiling. Close. But but he's great. And, you know, I mean, a lot like obviously Aaron Rodgers is a finished product. He's not going to get better at this point. Yeah, he's going to go go the wrong way. But Joe Burrow is Super Bowl good, and he's not even close to as good as he's going to be. You know, I said this in probably early October, and people. And I'd say it's scoff, but they kind of cringed a little bit when I said that. No one's cringing when I say this anymore. Joe Burrow is a taller version of Drew Brees. I mean, he moves a little bit better than Drew Brees, but Drew Brees could move back in the day. But the way he steps up in the pocket, the way he senses things, the way he knows where to go already at this young age, his, his completion percentage, you just look at him, his moxie, his, his stature, the way the respect that just two years in the league, it, I swear, and not just because he wears number nine. I, I really think he's, if you want to compare him to someone, that's who you compare him to. Yeah, certainly from a, certainly from a being able to read and diagnose and pre-see things, I do think he is, and you can see this at LSU, I do think he's more athletic than Drew Brees. He can run oh, he, more. He certainly he's obviously is. physically significant. But Drew used to be able to run a little bit. Yeah, but not like Joe Burrow. But not like that. You're not right. like Joe Burrow, and, and I think Joe Burrow's probably got a little bit more arm talent. He's, he, uh, Joe Burrow's got a gun. And, can, and Drew Brees certainly could make it. You're just throw. thinking of the Drew Brees from the last three or four no, years. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, look, Drew Brees is the greatest quarterback I ever saw. Um, and Joe Burrow is, is not what Drew Brees was in, in any of those years, 9-11 or 18, the three Super Bowl years. Joe Burrow's not there yet. But but Joe Burrow, yeah, he's a little different. Like the one thing he's doing now, which Drew Brees never did, was he holds the ball too long. And you can see that by the number. You know, he's been sacked more than any quarterback to reach a Super Bowl in NFL history. Like Drew Brees, and it's maybe his single best trait, was unbelievably quick on the trigger. Got rid of the ball so fast and avoided sacks um, at a rate that no quarterback avoided sacks. And that's one thing, Joe, that part of game, 
Joe Burrow, the, the instant recognition that Drew Brees had, which may have been his single best quality. Joe Burrow's not there yet. Um, but Joe Burrow's upside is, I mean, look, I heard Sean Payton say yesterday, he was asked what quarterback he could start with and if he could start a franchise. And he, you know, asked, he was asked Mahomes or Allen. And he said, I think I'd take Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, and, I would. And, and they're all great. But I think if you, a second question, Sean Payton would have said, because Joe Burrow is still a work in progress and he's this good. By the way, I think uh, boys and girls out there are in datitude land. I just want everybody to know. Did you, did you did you hear the little the little slip up of Doug Mouton, who's still living in denial? He said the Super Bowl years of 09, 11, and eighteen. They, yeah. they they should have been Super Bowl years. No, no, no. In my head, those are the three. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're living in denial. That's okay. And look, I'll still say eleven was the best team. And There's no question. Colston agrees with me. Yeah. I don't anyone who has any common sense, uh, common football sense knows that 2011 was the best Saints team ever. And it didn't even get to the championship game. No. And at least they didn't get screwed like the 18 team. That's a whole different story. The 18 team just got screwed. The still pisses me off, man. It still pisses yeah. me off. It's, it's, it's that. And I, and I look and it's hard to believe that that was three years ago. It, it feels like yesterday because it still burns in my soul. Oh. I was going to say it feels like 20 years ago through COVID. It's funny because I was I was writing something the other day about Dennis Allen, and at the time I wrote it, <laughs> I said that Tampa game in Tampa, which I would have sworn was three months ago, was like five weeks earlier. It's only it was like <laughs> December 19. I mean, it, it seems like four months ago that the Saints played in Tampa and destroyed the Bucks. Look, that Cincinnati team is so much fun to watch. And they really so, are. I mean, first of all, because of Burrow. Um, and, and, and but also across the team, what Trey Hendrickson did when a lot of people said he was a one trick pony and Cincinnati spent all that money. And it turns out he, he was the, the right guy to go get. Jamar Chase has been one of our favorite athletes to cover over the last 10 years. Even if he is a rumble boy, I, and, I can and forgive what he's him. He's doing is unbelievable. And then look, like you and I were talking before, like there are go to guys you have in a locker room. Like, right. and granted, we haven't been in a locker room in two years, but when the, when the Saints locker room was open and you needed somebody to explain something, especially after a loss, you, you have your own go to guys. And different reporters have different go to guys. And Von Bell was always one of my go to yes. guys. I always liked I love Von, Von Bell. Bell. He would give you an honest answer, there was no BS with him. He would go right to the point. And, and I, just something about the way Von Bell explained football. He was always one of my – and when he made that interception, to write, like, I was so personally happy so because I, he was one of my – I think I screamed out, Von Bell! You know, yes, I, I did. I did, too. I did, too. Right at that point, he was one of my guys. And, look, that was at a point – you know, the Saints have always tightrope that salary cap. I know the Saints would have loved to have kept him. They just couldn't. And I, if you blame him for going to Cincinnati to no, get a big pay, no one does. then you don't understand the real no. world. Right. He's got one chance to make money in his life, and this is it. And he took it. And I, well, you do hear backlash from fans when people leave, and it bothers the hell out of me. Because this guy's got one chance in his life to do, you know, to, That's to because make every bit of money he can. Yeah. I mean, people don't know. I mean, let's see. Let's put it on our scale. It, Let's say, and I'm going to make up numbers. This isn't what we make or whatever. In fact, I'm going to make them higher so, so you can't, you have no idea what we make. Well, let's say you're making $200,000 a year, and Ed Daniels calls and says, we're making this huge push, and we're going to give you $350,000 a year, Doug. And I'm, yeah. this is a completely hypothetical. I'm, don't answer that because I don't want you to get in trouble. But if I'm Doug Mouton, I'm saying, you know, I really like WWL, but $350,000, 
That's a lot of cabbage. Oh, I think I'm gonna. Uh, but, so anyway, don't answer yeah. that. Don't answer that. Uh, <laughs> like, right, right. And so anyway, so Von Bell making that interception, like, and, and look, Tyler Shelvin is an unbelievable yes. story. He's yeah. the best player in Louisiana. Never comes close to realizing his potential. Alash never, never became that That's guy. Right. And then he left early when I thought he needed to stay. And I'll say this: if you cover enough high school football, there are so many guys. And I, I remember having this talk with with Keenan Lewis because he was like the eighth most, uh, at, the eighth highest recruit on his high school right, team. Right. He's the one that played whatever it was eight years in the NFL because of the way he worked and and who he was. Um, we we have seen so many guys with enormous potential that just fall through and don't get there. And I thought Tyler Shelvin, unfortunately, it looked like he was going to be one of those guys. He was just too big, never realized his potential at LSU, should have been a first-round draft pick, obviously wasn't. And now he's actually, like, he's had had a resurgence, and he's playing well and doing things. Like, there's so many great local stories on that Bengals team. Then you got guys like Eli Apple. Well, you can leave him. (laughs) I'm going to leave that one alone. And you go to the Rams, and look – I'm going to say this. Um, I don't know OBJ very well. Uh, he was in that, that, that little window. He was playing at Newman in that little window when I was in news, and I had gone to cover the school board for about five years. So he was in that, that little window. So I never really got to cover him all that much in high school. Um, but I thought just that moment with him, with Debo Samuel at the end of the game, says a lot about who he is. Um, you know, he caught so much flack for, I think, and we again, this goes back to us not knowing people's situations, right? Uh, him in Cleveland and him not seeing eye to eye, I guess, with Baker Mayfield and, and the coaching staff at Cleveland. And you automatically blame the player who wants to leave for that and his dad spouting off the mouth. So it goes to show we don't know anything about these people. And to see that moment with him to go over there to a guy who's I mean, I know they're on the same side of the, the ball, so they don't, they're not playing at the same time, but they're probably talking a little smack here and there. But for him to go over there and hug Devo Samuel like that at the moment, I, I got to admit, I, I had a little tear in my eye, and I, I, I have no love lost for the, for the 49ers or the Rams. And, I mean, what a great moment that was. Well, look, I do remember one moment at LSU. When, I wish I could remember what game it was, but it's blending together. And I want to say it was Beckham's sophomore year at LSU, and he fumbled a punt near, near the end of the game, and it wound up costing LSU. And we're in the post-game interview session, and, and the way LSU did it at that time was they would just walk like seven players into this room where the media were, and the media and the players would sort of just work their way around the rooms and grab whoever you want. And I remember looking up. And seeing Odell Beckham walking in the room, and he sat down, and the first question I asked him was about the fumble. And he answered the question, and, and I mean, he was a kid at this time. I mean, this yeah. is, he's probably 19 years old. And then 20 minutes later, after all the interviews were done, I went to Michael Barnett, the uh, sports information director at LSU, and I said, I said I'm, a, I'm a little surprised you brought Odell Beckham in the room. And he said, oh, he asked me if he could come in. Like, he, like Odell Beckham wanted to talk about the mistake that cost That's the phenomenal. team because it was on him. And I remember thinking, I, I, I don't remember who I was with, but I remember telling whatever photographer I was with, all right, this kid's going to be a star. Yeah. Like, when you, when, you, when you own up in that way, because I can tell you, and especially from those seven and nine seasons with the Saints, um, Sean Payton would do his post-game press conference, and then 
you would go into the locker room and half the team would be gone. Right. Like they didn't even, oh, they, yeah. they wanted no part of any interviews. And the only people you could talk to were Zach Streif and Ben Watts. That's right. And the rest of the team would be gone. Like not everybody wants to own a, Everybody wants to talk to you when they win. Yeah. But un- you learn about people when they lose. Unfortunately, and- uh, unfortunately I spent uh, most of the time that I've spent covering the Saints throughout my career as well years like that so I, yeah. I never got any of the good years <laughs> well look the one guy like the one the, 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 the one guy with the biggest swag personality on the Saints team CJ Gardner Johnson in that game she's three years ago against the 49ers remember the wild game in the in the dome where the 49ers yeah 51 to 48 or whatever yeah whatever it was well there was a play in that game where uh I think it was CJ's rookie year where he personal foul uh, on yep. use check and it, and use check was sort of faking it and got away yeah. with it. And, and, and we walked in that locker room and as, and as, you know, big and funny as CJ is, we asked him about it and he gave an honest answer. I remember thinking, all right, you know, I, I really yeah. like this kid because he's funny. And you know what, if something happened like that, like he owned up to it and he didn't blame anybody else. And I remember his answer just being like, he's you gr- learn about he- people in adversity more than you learn. And that's what I, so Odell Beckham, I've always kept that one in the back pocket that for all the big Hollywood personality and for, for sort of snubbing the saints, although it sure looks like he made the right call by going to the Rams, he's playing in a super bowl. So it doesn't, he, from his personal standpoint and, and they're throwing to him a bunch. So it sure doesn't look like he made the wrong call from a personal No, not at all. I keep the one in the back pocket about OBJ that I will always like that guy for that one moment when, when he owned up in a way that a lot of guys don't. Well, and, and honestly, um, he goes to a team where he knows he's going to be the second fiddle. He's certain he's going to be the second fiddle. He's okay with that, but he's still getting his targets. And so I think there's more to it than, than any of us can know. And I think that is the, the case more often than not about a player gets bad rap for, for reasons that are not fair. Now, some of them get bad, bad raps because, frankly, they deserve bad raps. But oh, that's yeah, all no question. Story. No question. Bad raps are largely deserved. Yeah. We, don't even, we don't even talk a lot about them because, I mean, I think you feel the same way as I do. I mean, I'm not really going to call out a guy for being a D-bag um, unless you like, go over the top. Being, yeah. I mean, if you're just no, a D-bag in the locker room, I mean, I'm not going to call you out in public just because – you know, now if you go do something stupid on the on the field and you're a D bag and you cost your team a game, well then I'm probably gonna say something. But other than that, yeah. you know, just yeah, being a no, but I do like life. calling out the people who go above and beyond and are the the genuine and I look, I remember that San Francisco game and it was so disappointing. I remember going to Teron Armstead afterwards yeah. and it was just me and him. And I said I said, Look, Teron, I, I know it you know it's heartbreaking. But you do realize this is going to go down as probably the single best game of this season in the NFL. Like, what was it like just to be part of something like that? And I remember Teron giving me an answer, something like, wasn't this just beautiful football? We're going back and forth. And like, it was just like the most introspective, smart, like appreciative answer. Teron Armstead is one of my go-to, talk about Von Bell as a go-to guy. Teron Armstead for a decade has been like maybe my single most understanding the importance of everything and where it all fits in a line um, go-to guy the Saints have had. How come all, all the best games, we always label best games, and they're always like 51 to 48. I mean, we, the Chiefs-Bills uh, game, which was, a, was an absurdly poorly Absurd. defensively played 
poorly defensively, as about as poor defensively as you could possibly play. But yet, people of the world, that might be the greatest game in NFL history. No, it's not. You cannot have no defense in a game to be the greatest game in NFL history. You have to have some mixture, some combination. So you talk about 51-48. Yeah, I mean, maybe people look. Why do we always just choose the games that they're 90 points scored in as the greatest? This is entertaining. I mean, everybody wants to be entertained. Okay, you, it's why the NFL changed its rules. If you want to say it's one of the most, if you want to talk about the Chiefs' bills as one of the most entertaining games in NFL history, sure, you can, we can have a conversation about that. Isn't being entertained great? Isn't that why you're watching football no. in your spare time to be entertained? Yes and no. I mean, I'm, I want to. Oh, I want to be. want to be entertained. You watch it because you want to be bored. It's like baseball. I mean, that'd be like saying that 15-14 game was the greatest game ever played. No, it wasn't. I don't give oh, a. No, it couldn't be because then it would be a five-hour game. And a, right, but it's baseball. But you, you feel differently about baseball than you do about football. If there's Sorry, no pitching and defense, entertainment value. I mean, five-hour game. I'd be thinking, man, I got to get to the grocery store. <laughs> I mean, it's 15-14. Guy gave up nine runs in an inning, and there were three errors. But yet it's probably it's the greatest. I mean, it's, no, but you wouldn't say that. It wouldn't be the greatest baseball game. But football right. could be. Because well, baseball, you know what's funny? I, I probably shouldn't say this, but we were in the sports office when that was on and in the, the Buffalo-Kansas City game. And Adam Nay, who's, I think, he's the best sports photographer in the state of Louisiana. He just does a phenomenal job for us. And uh, – he, he's sitting there, and he's got such bad memories of the Bowie Gate year when Steve Spagnola was the yeah. defensive coordinator. When Buffalo went down and scored with 13 seconds left, Adam Nash just throwing his arms up on Spagnola. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and the memories of the Saints year when the Spagnola defense was setting. The How does that record. guy have a real job? You need to get with Adam Nay because Adam Nay screams that at the TV every Seriously. time City plays. I say this. I say it every time too, and it really—that's one of the ones I don't understand. If you're Andy Reid and you're looking for a defensive coordinator, I realize he won Super Bowl with the Giants. Maybe, maybe he was good at one point, but I mean, think about what he's done. I mean, his defenses—he was 27th ranked in the NFL this year. Kansas City wasn't. Likely going to the Super Bowl before last week because of Steve Spagnola. Yeah, with Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and what appears to be some pretty good talent. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, we'll see if they if they can make a change or not. All right, Doug, before we let you go, let's let, give me a Super Bowl prediction. I know it's hard to uh, – we got local guys on both sides, both teams. Um, I know Saints fans in general – are pulling for the Bengals for two reasons because of all the LSU connection. You got the rumble connection. Um, and we just hate the Rams. So, I mean, it's hard to take that out of it personally, but give me your prediction on, on what you think, not what you want. Well, yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm going to be pulling hard for the Bengals. I love that Bengals team in so many ways. If I had to bet it, which I won't, if I bet it, I'd bet the Rams. Like if it was a straight up bet, who's going to win? I'd bet the Rams but I'm going to be pulling hard for Cincinnati. And, and look. Would you lay four and a half points? What's that? Would you lay four and a half points? Um, no, I wouldn't lay four and a half. Um, but, man, they set that line probably perfectly, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. Um, they I'd probably do. take the four and a half. I'd probably take the four and a half. I, I sure. I mean, look, Cincinnati's come back from being so far down that you're never going to give up on them. They've got a great kicker. 
Um, you, they you've do. got a quarterback with ice, with ice water, and you've got the best receiver in the NFL. Um, Cincinnati's got, and it's not just that they have Jamar Chase, but the one, two, three of Chase and Higgins and Tyler Boyd is freaking awesome. That is an awesome one, two, three. I hate to say it, all three of them, no Saints uh, receiver cracked the top three, maybe not the top four. Yeah, but Cup Beckham Jefferson isn't bad either. It's not bad, and that might be the second best threesome. And if you talk about a reason to go get multiple wide receivers this offseason, it's because they're playing Tyler Boyd as their number three, who's a solid player and would have been 100%. the Saints by far their number one this year. Without question. Um, no question. Yeah, and I mean, T. Higgins is a first-round pick. I mean, they're playing two first-rounders. And, yes, and you see, you see in modern NFL what wide receivers mean. Look, in the days when we were kids – when, when Mel Blunt was playing cornerback on those great Steeler teams, he would take wide receivers and throw them on the ground yeah. at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> so if you were a small, fast wide receiver, Mel Blunt was standing over mm. you, looking at you. Ronnie Lott destroyed wide receivers as a cornerback. You can't do that anymore. In the modern NFL, wide receiver has become that important, and the quarterback has elevated to not only the most important position on the field, but like, significantly more important than any other position. And the Saints got to get a quarterback and wide receivers. That's the one knock on looking forward. Got a lot of pieces other places, but you're going to get wide receivers and a quarterback. Well, in the, in the offseason, we're going to have a show talking about goats and uh, of like, of, of not just football, but you know, do it a different way. I say to this day, the reason why I don't think Tom Brady is the goat is because if Joe Montana played in this age and era, he'd have played till he was 44, I think, as well. Because you can't hit him. Think about the hits and licks. And again, we're not going to get into a long debate. This is for another show, but I'm just put, planting this seed in your head. Yeah. We're going to have I, this. I would, I would not agree with you on that. Which, Good. Yeah, then we're definitely going to have you on for that show. I mean, I, yeah. Anybody who doesn't think Tom Brady's the GOAT, you're kind of deluding yourself. And, All right. I'm deluding like the year Joe, the, the year Dan Marino, God, I'm showing my age. The year Dan Marino was coming out of the draft and he was the sixth quarterback taken. He had the most perfect delivery in, you know, in NFL history, but he got so overanalyzed because back yes. then guys couldn't come out early. So he's the best player. He's the first pick as a junior. Then he have like Aaron Rodgers. Senior year where, they, where they're picking him apart and they find everything that's wrong with him. That's your problem with Brady. In five years, you're going to say, no, Brady was unquestionably the greatest of all time. You're picking him apart so. because you watched I'm not him. picking him apart. I think he's the second greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, that, yeah I, I would disagree. Okay, good. We're going to have a show on that in probably like, I don't know, April-ish. And, and lastly, and this is really lastly, is baseball going to start on time? Um, the, see, I'm still saying training camp, no. Um, but but you you do see progress behind the scenes yes. right now, and it's I, I know it's encouraging. Pro- but both sides have already made concessions. I know it's not significant concessions, but it's concessions enough where now they can start hammering away at the concessions. I agree. I don't think training camp starting on time. I still I'm at about sixty percent yes that the season will start on time. Now I'm not ninety percent like Dennis Allen. Okay, I'm about sixty because I. I'm positive they're playing. I'm 99% they're playing some baseball. And, like, I don't know, May 1st would be the latest date um, that they would start. But um, but I, I think there's still a better than half chance that we start on time in baseball. All right, so 60%, I got to lay, like, 180 to win 100 or 190 to win 100. I'm going to take your side on that. 
I am. Oh, he's taking my side. I'm taking your side. I think they're going to start on time as well. I didn't think that until about two weeks ago, but everything you read through the, I think baseball realizes that no, they are on the precipice of killing themselves, committing. Well, here's the thing about suicide. baseball that I don't think people get. Like baseball certainly has, has a different place in society than it did 20 or 30 years ago. It is not America's number one sport, not even close. It has found. It's, it's not a number two sport. Correct. It is, but it has found its niche where right now in whatever you want to call it, America's number three sport, it has found its spot where it's making a crazy load of money. That money is increasing. That's right. The, the attendance at games is excellent, but it but I agree with you. It is on a is on a tight rope right now. And they need, but but they have found a. It's not like things are declining right now. It's like they have found the Braves winning the World Series helped. It was no a good question. story. But they have found their level right now where baseball can continue to exist and thrive without being that sport anymore. But I do think they understand that that level they're on, is, it's not built in concrete. It's right. built on some plywood that you don't feel great about right now. And, and you better both, get off that leg. Both sides better realize, I think both sides realize that. It's not like, I think they did. Not like 93 where I think we're still baseball, screw everybody. We're, we're still baseball. That's exactly and, right. I, I don't think they I'm think that anymore. Right. Yeah, they don't They don't I, think that anymore. I think they both know. And here's the thing. Right now, owners are making a boatload of money, and players are making a boatload of money. Yeah. Neither side has a grievance right now. They both want a little bit more, but neither side has a problem. The sport has found a, its level that is working, and I think they know that. And, but I also, like I said, I think that level could collapse if – if if they if they fall through, people like me and you, when me and you say, you know what, forget this, you know, yeah. like then they got a problem. Yeah, well, we we aren't there yet, but I can tell you what, if they go into some long delay, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be written off my my ship. And I and I hate to say that thing, baseball is my favorite sport. I mean, it really is. Yeah, and, and look, let me say this last thing: in in the COVID year, the baseball looked like the biggest train wreck of train wrecks. hundred percent. And they were the first. Then all of a sudden, they became the first sport to actually put it together and go through a sixty-game season in the middle of COVID without going to a bubble. And the games were incredibly entertaining. And I know it was cheesy, but they did make the best of it. They invented the crowd noise simulator yeah, at games. Right. They invented putting cardboard cutouts at games. <laughs> like I remember Charlie Blackman buying the entire right field in Colorado, and it's all Charlie Blackman. Right. Right. And, and, a, and it was funny as heck. And, and baseball made the most of it. And, and that summer of the summer of 20, like when, when basketball hadn't started yet, they had this elaborate bubble concept. Baseball figured it out and played outdoor games. And I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed that and needed. I was watching three games a day. I was so excited to see baseball. You and, were one and, of the sickos still playing fantasy baseball that year, too. And, 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 and we played, and it was a blast. And it was, it was certainly from a mental health standpoint, it's what I needed. And my point is, at the time when they seemed to be a train wreck, they put it together in a way that – I cannot imagine how you could have done it better that in the summer of 20. And they did. And they had to agree. And they had a million fights. And somehow they worked it all out and got it done. And I'm hoping that that spirit will light a fire in the next month. I'm glad we Does came back. Sense? Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad we came back and were able to play 
the Donzi Rainey League last year. Who, who won last year? Not me. Can you remind me? I, I'm trying to no, remember. No, I, I can't. It's really slipping my I mind. I was so far out of it that I quit. It's really slipping my, my mind who won the league last year for the sixth time. I, I don't know who it was. Uh, I'm going to have to go look it up. I know whoever it was won their sixth championship. I'm going to have to go look that up. The next time we have you on, we are going to talk more baseball. And um, I know you're probably so deep. In, you know the, the, the pitching rotations probably of every team by now. And tell me who's going to win the, the the five job for the Los Angeles Angels. You probably know that already. Um, but uh, we're going to hold that and we'll hold that thought. And we're going to talk more about baseball in about a month. Uh, Doug Mouton, thanks for joining us here on the Dabitude Podcast. Yeah, and look, all I can do is apologize to anyone listening that I don't know why, but we tend to go a little too long when we do these. Oh, we have. I have to figure out a way to self-edit in the middle of these. We, we do, but the good thing about podcast is, and I've learned this by by listening to them, is there's a little little thing you stick your thumb on and you kind of move forward a little bit or press the 30-second advance. So, I mean, we probably get a lot of that, and that's okay, but I know people in the, okay. in the grand uh, scheme of yeah, things yeah. love us. They can add it themselves. That's the great thing about podcasts. They can add it their own no, stuff. Right. I, what I think, though, we're is having we fun. To like, we need to make sure we, what we need to aim for is is to next time we do it. You want me to put a timer? Yes. People say, like a causeway drive it takes me 44 minutes to get to work. Yeah. Let's let's shoot for 44 minutes. All right. I'm going to put a timer on us next time, and I'm going to give you a. I'll give you a 10-minute warning, a 5-minute warning, and a 2-minute warning. Right. How's that? All right. We'll see if we can do one in 44 minutes. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Doug. All right, Jim, pleasure. I'm not good with clocks. I mean, I can have them there, but that doesn't mean I'm going to look at them. No, I mean, I did radio, but I had someone in my ear telling me to shut up. That's the thing with podcasts. There's no one in my ear telling me, shut up. I'm just going to go until I think it's not interesting anymore. Hope you all agree with that. Obviously, there are a lot of you who are because this podcast is growing nicely. And I thank you for that. Um, I think we're approaching the 20,000 listen mark, which is something I don't think that I would have had at this point in time, not this early in the podcast history. I thank everyone for listening to that. I thank people for listening to me ramble on and stay, say absolutely stupid crap sometimes. It's who I am. I say a lot of things that I know make a lot of sense, but I know I also say a lot of stupid crap too. But that's why people listen. You can decipher for yourself what's stupid and what's brilliant. Does the brilliant outweigh the, the stupid? It's kind of like aggressiveness in football, right? Sometimes stupid is fun. That's where we are. Thanks to Doug Mouton. That is going to wrap up episode number 52. As we go out, I want to give my shout out again to my lovely wife, Drea. 14 years. Two touchdowns. We've made it through two touchdowns, boys and girls. That's how I think about it. Everything's related to football, right? Even marriages. For you too? Yeah, I get it. We will see you on Friday. I'm not 100% sure who our guest is yet. Um, next week, we're going to have some... I'm trying to line up some really great guests for next week. Um, don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet. We're going to find, try to finalize that before Friday, and we will let you know. Obviously, we'll be talking more about the Saints coaching search. Doubt that it'll be done by Friday. In fact, I doubt that it'll be done before the Super Bowl at this point. So that will clearly be the topic of conversation, along with more Super Bowl talk. Uh, the Senior Bowl is this weekend. We'll probably be talking about uh, where, what we might be looking for in the draft. 
and all those good things. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But until Friday, we will see you. Rem- see you later. Remember to hug the ones you love, and I don't know whatever you want with the ones you don't. But 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 kill them with kindness, right? Give them a little kiss on the cheek. That'll really piss them off. See you on Friday. Peace and love, my friends. <laughs>